Good morning. Welcome to Trainwreck Marriage. I'm Dave Suit. Dave Susan. I'm Dave Touchdown. And I'm Susan Touchdown. Well, I tell you what, it's been a struggle this morning. Welcome to our world. The the struggle is real. Hey, um, we're going to kind of just go off chart a little bit. I think this will, we'll just see where God takes us. Uh, the scripture come to me, uh, Philippi, uh, Philippians 4, uh, 6. Do not be anxious about anything mm-hmm. in every situation by prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Mm-hmm. You know, we're in a really odd season and some of this is we woke up this morning i'm exhausted i slept all night not sure why i'm exhausted um i don't know if i'm worrying about stuff when i sleep or i'm thinking things through because you know we've got uh potential startup coming on we're going to be feeding people we've got we've got a lot of craziness going on in our world right now and things that we haven't had before ever. Um, and so, you know, it, it made me think this morning, how much of it is anxiety and worry, mm. um, that, you know, it says in the scripture all over, of you know, let him carry your, your yoke, his loads, burdens. light burdens, you know, I mean, <clears throat> all over the scripture, we're not built to carry worry. Um, worries from the devil, anxieties from the devil, because God wants us free. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about in the past and, and even still some today in different situations in our marriage where it's like, oh, I don't want to tell them that. They're going to react this way. They're going to say this, or I'm afraid they're going to say, I don't want you, or I don't love you. Or, you know, we, we get to the point to where we create a story in our head that's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, it may have been true in the past or things may have been said in the past that we carry into today. And um, just really this morning that was kind of put on me of, you know, what are you worrying about that is not yours to worry about? And and this is really where I'm at today. Um, I don't know that Susan's there, but I'm definitely there because... Um, I think a lot of my tossing and turning last night, I'm assuming I didn't sleep much. Uh, I literally feel like I've slept two hours and I'm getting up and going. So, um, I know there's something inside of me and I'm not free of it. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I would, um, I've been awake since three o'clock this morning and so I'm tired as well. And um, I was thinking, you know, David says, well, what were you thinking about? And um, everything that I was thinking about from 3 o'clock till the time, you know, I started getting in the Word this morning um, was things that I have absolutely no control over. Um, I, I don't know that I was necessarily worried about them but, I mean, we got a lot of things kind of up in the air right now and, and all things that have the potential to be to be good and and none of it i would well i mean there is potential for life-changing things that are going on but um it's just that i was thinking about it and running scenarios in my head of you know what this look like or what's this going to look like or what if this happens or what if that happens and again it's not really worry but it's that what if game that i think we so often find ourselves in um 
And so instead of resting, and I, you know, I'm going through a season of where I'm doing that, waking up earlier than what I really want and just kind of mulling things over in my head. And I try to run scripture through my head or I'm singing songs in my head, which still doesn't allow me to go to sleep. Um, But um, it's just, like I said, I don't feel like it's necessarily a worry. It's just that what if game that we get into and just kind of wondering what things look like and maybe that piggybacks a little bit off of last week um week's podcast when we you know talked about um just um things that we you know have in our minds that may or may not happen and so and like david said um you know it's uh the scenario of I don't even know where I was really going with that, but just that, um, you know, we conjure up conversations in our head um, that really probably may or may not even happen. Right. Um, but we we mull them over in our head, especially, you know, conversations that either I have to have with David or there's a lot of times that I have to call customers. And um, because I'm non-confrontational, um, I play the scenario in my head of how it's going to go and they're not they're going to be mad or they're going to be this or they're going to ask a question that I don't have an answer to or whatever the case may be and so I just try to avoid it with like the plague instead of just facing it and I think God's trying to um show me kind of some things that I need to walk through some you know have those conversations instead of avoiding them because at some point in time in my life I know especially if we go into ministry um you know that there's going to be conversations that are going to have to be had and I'm going to have to learn how to have those tough conversations sometimes and so there's just a lot you know going on in the head that are the games we play in our head the thoughts we run through our head um really kind of have a tendency to hurt us instead of help us sometimes well and I think of the scripture and I can't tell you where it is your mind's evil and yeah. a lot of times Satan considers it as playground. I know in my head, sometimes I get to running with the craziest thoughts and this is going to happen and this is going to happen. And absolutely none of it's true. Um, you know, and, and I mean, did it happen once? Yeah, it may happen once out of a hundred times. Now I apply it to everything. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I've done it to Susan of, well, I, I really want to have this conversation. Well, she's going to react this way. And it's based off the past. It's, it, it may have been a true statement once. Um, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't tell her that. I, if I tell her that, she's going to do that. You know, I, Taking control of your mind. What's that scripture? Yeah, uh, take your thoughts captive. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just, I think of the destruction, stress, worry, anxiety that it creates by us not taking our thoughts captive. And I'm horrible at it. Do I am not telling you I got it figured out and here's how to do it. Mm-hmm. What I'm telling you is I struggle with it today. Um and, you know, a lot of the what ifs, I'm, I'm getting better about when my head starts running that way, then I start praying about it. Um, and, and over time, that helps. 
Uh, is it an instant relief? Well, probably sometimes, but not the majority. And then the question is, how much of it is really me and how much of it's really God? And most of it's me not wanting to let go, right? Not wanting to let go of that anxiety, that stress, you know, growing up was chaotic and, and I, I kind of thrive on that chaoticness. I, I kind of like it. It kind of is my comfort zone, even though it makes me horribly uncomfortable and I hate it, but it is kind of a comfort zone. Well, and I think, you know, I think that's why it's so important to stay in the word. And I don't, you know, I'm, that's not to say, oh, you know, the, the, I, that's not the churchy thing is, I'm not saying that to, you know, make anybody feel bad or whatever, but just like that scripture, um, take every thought captive. Well, how many times have we read that? Like, we know that scripture. Right. We can't tell you necessarily where it's found. Right. Um, but we know that scripture. But when do we think of that scripture when we need it? <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. Um, and I think that so often, um, you know, I'm I'm struggling with um, uh, just how I'm fueling my body and um, what I'm eating and things like that. And, you know, there's so many scriptures that, I have wrote down and tried to memorize uh, about, um, you know, our bodies are the temple of God and, um, you know, uh, treat your bodies as the temple. And it's, it's like, I know those verses, but when it comes down to it, I can't pull them up when I need them to. And so right. I think that's why staying in the word is so important is because one, I know the scriptures, which is the first start. Um, and then hopefully the longer I stay in the word, then the easier it is to come to recall them when I need them. <laughs> yeah, I don't have, I, don't, I can't say that. Sometimes I pull scripture up in my head of and kind of gets me on different thought. But I've kind of, I'm kind of starting to build a trigger warning whenever Whenever I start getting going down the rabbit hole, for lack of a better word, um, I know it. I don't. I mean, I'm aware of it, and I'm trying to set a trigger in my head when I start going down the rabbit hole to stop and start praying about it. Hmm. You know, is this true? A am I blowing this out of proportion? Am I? Am I not? Am I making this a big deal when it's not? You know. Um, and really just being thankful that I've, I've got someone to rely on. And he does answer prayers, sometimes not in my time frame. We'll have a discussion when I die about that. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I'm trying to commit it to prayer yeah. and, and trying to be thankful. Sometimes that's a little harder than others, depending on the situation and what the conversation is. But... Um, really trying to set a trigger warning whenever I start down the rabbit hole, realizing I'm going down the rabbit hole and saying, okay, Lord, I really, I'm tired of going down this rabbit hole. You know, help me see clearly what's going on or, or praying for the person. That's the other thing that's helped me probably more than anything is instead of praying about the situation, mm. praying for the person. Um, what are they going through today? Bless them, you know, um, 
And there's a situation with a guy that's got kids and, and they're teenagers and, and, you know, just stopping and praying for him and teenagers are chaotic and Mm -hmm. you know, the life of teenagers from sports to drama to emotions, it's, you know, gotta be no fun because we've been there Mm -hmm. and, uh, really trying to change the narrative in my head to where it's, you know, even with me and Susan, Whenever I get wound up about her in my head, it's I'm trying to say stop. Pray for her day. What's going on in her life that I don't know about? Because we've been married 30-some years. I guarantee you there's conversations in her head I have no idea are going <laughs> on. Nor do I really want to be knowing what's going on. Um, but instead of praying about the moment, pray about the person. Mm, yeah, that's good. And, I, you know, I'm so thankful that um, even though God knows our thoughts, he doesn't, he, he knows our heart um, more. And, you know, I don't want you to know what's in my head. I don't want to know what's in my head most of the time. Right. And like the problem I find is I'm usually at the, I've hit the bottom of the rabbit hole before I realize, oh, I need to take this to God. Or, I mean, depending on the circumstance, right. obviously, but um, I, I think Again, the games that we allow our head to, if we can make a shift in our thought process, for me, faster or um, more consistently than um, maybe a lot of the head games would quiet down just a little bit. Because like David said earlier, you know, Satan... Satan knows what your triggers are. Yeah. And he loves nothing better to get your mind... Rolling, he loves nothing better to get your mind off of Jesus, and so he's going to put all these thoughts in your head. And generally, they're thoughts that whatever it is that, um, you know, for me, it's confrontation. And so, whatever conversation that I have to have with somebody, or whatever conversation I've had with somebody, you know, I'll play over in my head. Well, what if, what if they're thinking this, or what if they're thinking that, or you know, instead of just um, trusting and, um, you know, maybe the the conversation needs to be had with God before I have the conversation with somebody else of, Lord, you go before me. And instead of playing the scenario in my head, going to God with it first, and then allowing him to speak through me when I do have to have the tough conversation. Well, and I think sometimes, you know, uh, our past, uh, our past makes us enjoy it. And I, I was trying to think of the wording on that. Um, <clears throat> and I'm, I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, about how we grew up and, um, both me and Susan, our, our, my world was pretty chaotic. So, you know, there was a lot of expression and it, it was it created some things that aren't great. Um, but then again, in, in hers, no one spoke. And so she's been trained to play it in her head forever. How do you break that? Mm-hmm. How do you break for me the enjoyment of being uncomfortable? Cause that's the way it was a lot of times at the house at different situations. And, and uh, you couldn't you couldn't say what you were thinking, and if you did, it ended up in an argument. And um, you know, so I mean, 
at, at what point do we break those? Yeah. First, we have to realize them that they even go on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at, at what point do we start trying to take our thoughts captive? Yeah. Because um, even in our marriage, it affects our marriage greatly. It has over the decades. Um, I'm more of a vocal person. If I got something to say, let's go to war. <laughs> um, and then let's go eat lunch. No big deal. Susan's the exact opposite. She didn't say anything. And she just holds it all in. And, and, but if you really think about it, that's the way we grew up. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I mean, that really is tied. So now we're talking about breaking a, I hate to say this, but a half a century, rest, half a century of lessons we've learned. Yeah. Well, that and, old adage in our, I think it, it's more of our decade, maybe, or our, not decade, but our, uh, what do you say you know our age group grew up with um kids are to be seen not heard right. um i don't know if that's still a thing now or not but you know and so that's kind of um that is how i grew up is um you're to sit there and and look pretty and keep your mouth shut and and, and i don't mean that in an ugly way um but it's just true is it you, was the time yeah, I mean, you know, and I remember, goodness, going to my relative's house up in Kansas City and my aunt and uncle and mom and dad were would all play, be playing cards or whatever. And we, as kids, were downstairs. And the only time that we were allowed, and I put quotation marks around allowed, um, to come upstairs is if, you know, especially my cousins, um, if they needed, uh, if, if their parents needed um, a drink or something, then they hollered at the kids to come up and, and get it for them. And so, um, but again, you don't say anything. You just go do what you're told and you don't ask questions and you just do it. Um, and, and so that's, that's what I've stuck. And that's what worked for me for a very, you know, long time is, and I didn't know any different. And so it's, it's like David said, relearning that training of, 50 years <laughs> right um you know and so it's just and i think i think that's very relatable probably to a lot of people listening is um you know we we've got to retrain some of the things that we grew up learning and believing well in our time as gen xers uh which is what we are you know it was a different time we we our parents didn't set their schedule around us we set yeah. our schedule around our parents right uh both of our dads played softball i mean yeah i played ball but the real focus was dad going to the ballpark and playing and and uh you know now the focus is all on the kids mm-hmm. you know forget about my schedule we're going to do what the kids, the kids travel ball, the baseball, the this, the that, uh, you know, um, dance. Mm-hmm. I mean, cheer competition. Mm-hmm. None of our kids did it, but I've heard of parents talking about it. And I'm thinking, you know, when we grew up, it was a different era. Um, but we picked up baggage along the way. We learned bad things that that really have made our marriage struggle. Sure. And, you know, and in the same sense, this uh, entitlement age where 
the kids get everything they want, the parents get not what they want, um, that's going to have repercussions as well in marriages. Um, because it, it, it was the time frame that we grew up in. It was normal. Um, and I know a lot of you may not, if you're younger, you don't understand that. Um, but the thing is, there's things that you were taught in your childhood that were normal that affect you the rest of your life. And, and some of that is you got to do some self-reflection of who you are. Um, why are you that way? Um, and then actively pray and really focus on who are you? That's the journey I'm on right now is, uh, we were work, work only didn't really matter. I, in in high school, I was working, I did a job till two o'clock in the morning and dad was home in bed. Um, that was the era that was just what we did and and now I'm starting to get to the point we've got some things happening in our lives that are giving me the opportunity to go what do I want to do yeah because I, I never really had that choice well and sitting here thinking about and I don't I don't have proof of any of this but a thought has just occurred to me that um, back in our day yes there was still divorce that happened but it was a lot less than it is now. Right. But the parents were um, a priority, for lack of a better word. Yeah. The parents went out on dates. The parents did what they wanted to do. And then the kids' activities came in later. And the parents worked on their marriage. And they, and, and not necessarily worked on it, but they made themselves a priority. And then the kids would fall into line. And I you know, have said all along, and I just had this conversation with one of my daughters this week of, you know, yes, you got to love your kids and you got to raise them. And, and yes, you do things with them. But if your marriage isn't, um, if you don't focus on your marriage as well, then when your kids grow and are gone, you're going to just have your spouse and you're not going to have a relationship because you've put the kids as a top priority and you've made all their activities more important than necessarily what, um, you know, that's our oldest daughter, her and her husband are getting ready to go on uh, a vacation trip because they haven't been, um, our, their oldest child is uh, almost a year old and they haven't been on vacation. Um, two? Yeah, almost two. Yeah, almost two years old. Um, and so, yeah, they haven't been on vacation since he was born. and. Um, she's just spent, you know, and so it's like, yeah, you guys have got to take that break. And, um, because when the kids are grown and gone, if you guys don't have a relationship now, it's not going to get better. Right. And so I think just a thought of, you know, maybe because back in our day, the kids were, you know, ideally it was God, your spouse, and then your children, um, and maybe it's that's kind of flip flop. It's kind of flip flop. It's kind of children, maybe your spouse or God, and maybe then the other, you know. Um, but it's set up, if, you know, a successful marriage, just plug here a successful marriage is God first, then your spouse, and then everything else underneath that. Um, so I don't know, just uh, maybe that's why divorce was so 
much less. And and then then you just didn't like that. This wasn't really a thing back then. You well, married but, for life. But you also they they had people over. They played games. Yeah. It was a it was a you know. And I think of when we were at our very worst. Uh, we left the church we were going to, and the pastor's like, now make sure they have a good kids program. And I'm like, I could care less if they got a kids program, because if we don't get fed and our marriage don't get fixed, them kids are going to be broken for a lifetime. You know, and that really um, was something that was a priority, was that, you know, we get fed correctly and it doesn't matter if they have a kids program. It doesn't matter how good the kids program is. And we've proven that by us getting healthy, our kids are healthy. Yeah. And you know, I know it's a really not a common thing, but your, your kids will cause you to get divorced. Mm-hmm. Your, your kids, when they're the priority and your spouse isn't, then guess what? Your spouse won't be there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think back at, at our different things we've done and um, the successes and the failures and uh, the things that went well and the things that didn't. Well, most of them revolve around um, us taking care of the kids first. Yeah. Not us taking care of each other, and mm-hmm. something I tell to Susan, and and we talk about occasionally, is we need to be standing back to back fighting the world, children and parents included. We're fighting everyone, and when we don't stand back to back, we end up fighting each other. Well, and when we're strong as a couple, then we're strong everywhere else. Right. You know, because we then have the support of one another. Um, we know that somebody else has got our back and, um, you know, so that's, that's why it's just so important to take care of one another if, you know, for so many different reasons, but that's the reason, that's why God intended it. You know, you're to leave your, your father and mother and become one. And, you know, think about that when you become one, how you're treating your spouse is essentially... How you treat yourself. Is how you're, yeah, treating yourself. And so, um, you know, I guess that would be my challenge this week is we kind of went all over today, but is, you know, really focus on this week, how you can take care of your spouse, how you can make them feel like they matter or that they're important. Because if you get that element, if you work at getting along with your spouse making them feel whether they deserve it or not right. making them feel like they matter then all your other relationships and all the other things are going to fall into place well if you're new to our podcast go back and listen to somewhere between one and five uh we give our testimony of what really happened and it was a train wreck that's yeah. that's why it's train wreck marriage um but you know and i i don't know where i heard this can't give credit to whoever said it so sorry um but if you're not getting the reaction from your spouse you want it's because they're a mirror of what you're giving them mm-hmm. if you really think that mm-hmm. through you know um it, it really resonates um of you know i know it's good to blame your spouse for everything i've done it <laughs> 
Um, but when you really break it down, and I, I've found this to be true, there are situations that I have no involvement in, but do affect Susan and affects me. But also, you know, what am I giving her during those times? Am I giving her shortness when, when I know she's struggling or I'm just saying, hey, I love you, baby. Give, give me a hug. And I, I think sometimes we, we prefer to blame other people for the situation we're in. And sometimes they deserve it. I get that. But what are we doing to make their day better? Well, and I even think about this last week, you know, I feel like we've been in a really good place this last week, but, um, I feel like, well, both of us have like, I've tried to be more attentive, more affectionate, more like I want to be with you, which automatically has just, that's just been reciprocated back to me. And so we've been at a really good place place this week and I'm not to say that that happens all the time um you know I even had the thought this morning wow I'm really tired and there's a chance my attitude by the end of the day is going to reflect that but I don't want it to be towards David right you know is um because there are you know hormones lack of sleep all these things factor into how we treat other people but I'm going to go into this day knowing that I'm really tired Knowing that there's a chance that I may be shorter than, you know, short or whatever. Uh, but trying to make a conscious effort of realizing that and reining it in. Because I don't want to do anything that is going to hurt him um, to where it causes that rift. Because, like you said, then when I do that to you, then you're automatically going to come back at me. And I don't have the strength or energy right now, to, you right. know. so. Well, you just prove that scripture true. Yeah. When you get married and become one, the the more you feed into your spouse when they need it, the more reaper the reciprocation. Reciprocation. <laughs> We're using big words. Today. Yeah, yeah, big word day. Um, but that that's very true because it it's one of those things that someone has to be the adult in the bunch. Right. Someone has to take the rein, swallow it. Take the first step. Take the first step because it will never get any better as long as you're lonely looking out for you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're out of time. It went really fast today. So, um, you know, we're, we're, we just want you to know that you're not alone. Yeah. We're, we're every marriage couple, whether they admit it or not have either been through this, are going through it, or will go through, or will go through <laughs> yeah. it. It's just a matter of time. Yeah. Hey, we love you guys, and we hope you have a great week, and um, share a podcast with somebody that that you're not sure if they need it or not, but it sure doesn't hurt anything, because odds are we all deal with the same thing. Yeah. Have a great day.